Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. I am so excited about what God's going to do today. If you have a Bible, uh, turn with me please to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. And uh, I want to have a look at the 20th uh, chapter. And I want to have a look at the seventh verse, if we can get that on the screen this morning. It says this. Now, now before we get into this, this is an interesting story. And you may, you may have read it. I, this is the first message I've ever preached on, on this story. And, and I, I reckon there's some stuff in it that'll be a blessing to you. But let's have a look. It says this. Now on the first day of the week, which was a Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them. So he's preaching, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Long sermon. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Somebody say Eutychus. I love the name Eutychus. I was talking to Joseph and Tosh last night and they're, they're believing for a third child. They're going to name him Eutychus. Eutychus Zwanzinger. Zigger. Zwanzinger. Sorry, I got it. That's a great... Can I say, Pastor Dave, your children have married people with some very interesting last names. That... That is fair uh, to say that, and, and it's right. It needs to be mentioned. It needs to just be mentioned. You can't hide these things. A certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep, he was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, evidently not well, because he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Dead. Some of Paul's guys around him go, man, you're preaching killed tonight, bro. It was... But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Isn't that awesome? Now, when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak. This was a sermon that never ends, friend. This thing, this thing was torture, I'm not going to lie to you. This was... This thing, this thing, Paul, man, he went, it was a long one. He preached an exegetical message on Psalm 119. And they brought the young man in alive... And they were not a little comforted. They were a lot comforted. They were, they were pumped. There's nothing that fires up a church service more than just a good old resurrection. Uh, old-fashioned resurrections, they haven't gone out of date. They still pump people up. And, uh, and so God was moving. I want to use for a subject this morning, uh, preaching just a few minutes, when preaching kills. Uh, when preaching kills. Death by preaching. I've been in some sermons that I've wished I was sleeping in the third story window. But alas, I wasn't. I was on the front row and it was my pastoral staff. So let, let's, let's get into this. I wondered why is this story in the Bible, preparing this message, why is this message? Why, why have we been told about this message? Because uh, it's, it's unclear really the theme, the purpose uh, of what's going on. And so I came to a few conclusions. Either uh, this story's in the Bible to warn people about falling asleep in church there is danger. Just when you thought it was safe to come here and have a snooze, it's deadly, friends, especially you sitting up in the nosebleed section. You could just tumble. You could be in a lot of trouble. You could be, so be very careful. Make sure you get a latte on the way in, have a Red Bull, a whiskey, whatever. We don't mind. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't have a Red Bull. So maybe this story's in the Bible to encourage pastors whose people fall asleep during their sermons. I know that's never happened here to Pastor Dave. I deal with it quite a lot. 
Uh, that's it's a sad reality. Maybe it's to encourage time limits for preachers. Because preaching from 7pm or 6pm till daybreak probably is a little excessive. And, uh, and so, so we don't know too much about this, but we do know that this was Paul's third missionary journey and he went to a city called Troas. We don't know what else happened there. We don't know what he preached on. We know very, very little. We do know that he preached long. We don't know what the content was. Uh, the content apparently was fairly unremarkable because no one bothered to record it. And so Paul preaches a sermon. We know it went for about 12 hours. And what we do know is that there was one victim of his preaching. And this was a 13-year-old by the name of Eutychus. Somebody say Eutychus. This brother came up to me last night and said, do you know why I was called Eutychus? And I said, no. And I was expecting some theology and something encouraging. But he said, Eutychus too, if you'd fallen out of the third story window. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm more spiritual than him. I wouldn't have cussed. I'm far too spiritual for that kind of carnality. <laughs> the name Eutychus means fortunate. Fortunate. Or a recipient of God's grace. Eutychus means fortunate. And I looked at this story and there are some fortunate things that happened. And I think it's fair to say there were some unfortunate things that happened. Fortunately, Eutychus had the opportunity to hear Paul preach. I mean, that's pretty awesome that he got that opportunity. Unfortunately, the sermon did go till midnight. Unfortunately, Eutychus fell asleep. Unfortunately, Eutychus was sitting in a third story window. Unfortunately, Eutychus fell out of the third story window and plunged to his death. Fortunately, Paul was on hand to revive him after preaching him to death. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, after an above average resurrection and a light feed, you'll notice Paul went and broke some bread, had a, had a bit of food and drink after the resurrection, and then continued to preach until daybreak as if nothing happened. What a, what a, what a moment to be alive. We, we don't know too much about Eutychus, but we know a lot about Paul. The Bible doesn't tell us too much about Paul as a preacher. We know Paul wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament. And, and I'm, I'm just drawing a, a long bow here. I could be wrong. And there's people here that have a superior knowledge of the word to myself. But maybe it was because Paul wasn't the world's greatest preacher that he was a great writer. And maybe if he had been one of the great communicators like Peter or Stephen uh, in the Bible, whose sermons are documented, Jesus' sermon on the mounts documented, they never bothered to document anything that Paul preached in this message other than he preached long and, and, and tragedy struck. But what we, what we do know is that this service probably wasn't Paul's best. Uh, you, you, you've got to look at a few things. Eutychus was 13. Now, I'm sure Pastor Tim can tell you this as well as anyone, but I've been preaching to youth meetings for the last 15 years and you start going longer than 13, 30 minutes, uh, those teenagers, they glaze over. <laughs> They've had enough. They're, man, these days, if you go longer than 15, you've got to compete with them looking for the Pokemons, you know? I mean, poor old Eutychus, he didn't bring his tablet to church that night, so he wasn't able to play Angry Birds, which in those days was simply you'd bring a rock and a bird and just... <laughs> no wonder the birds are still angry to this day, but they're playing. This poor kid's 13, and, and the Bible says a couple of things about this upper room. 
They're in this upper room. Theologians say there's about two to 300 gathered in this room. They, they say it was hot. It was in a hot time of the year. And to light the room, they used lamps. And the, and the oil used in those lamps had a, had a tiring effect. It would make people fall asleep. So poor old Eutychus, everything was against this young guy. He was 13. He was sitting outside a, a, by a third-story window. Paul was rabbiting on until midnight. The, the room had natural sleeping oil putting you to sleep. It was stuffy in there. It was midnight. Eutychus had worked hard all day and he gets it and Paul's preaching and he kills him. He dies. Eutychus is... Can can I tell you that that, uh, the reason you come in here and maybe the service here is kind of like, you know, a bit over an hour, you know, we don't want to... We don't want to drag this thing out. My dad always taught me when I was a young preacher, he said, he said David, if you don't strike oil in 20 minutes, quit boring. You know, <laughs> the, tr- the truth is, the reason church is engaging like it is, the reason the effort goes into all the little details to make this work is we want the Eutychuses of this world to come in here and not fall out of the window, but be engaged and, and receive something from heaven. And, and I believe it's our job as, as a church not to kill Eutychus, but, but to show him the gospel in a way that touches his heart and touches his life. Theologians uh, that I read about with this passage are not what we would call uh, charismatic or spirit-filled. So they don't believe uh, in, in, in the moving of the Holy Ghost and, and power of God like we would. And they would think the gifts were maybe something for the, for the, for the past and, and had ceased with the apostles. So I read this commentary and he said, said, uh, you, you can no longer resurrect Eutychus because we don't have the power the apostles had. All we can do is prevent him from dying. Now, I agree that it's a good thing to prevent Eutychus from dying and, and doing church well and all of those things. But I will say this, we do in fact carry the power the apostles had. And so, and so when hope dies, when things die, when tragedy comes, you and I have resurrection power. Paul may not have been able to preach too good that night, but thank God he carried the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God, thank God that he had the Holy goes working on his life. Can, can I just preach for a minute? I, I'm so glad that you and I are not comfortless. I'm glad that when Jesus said, I go to heaven, but I'm going to send a comforter, he's going to come alongside and help you. Aren't you glad that we don't have to do this alone, but we carry the same power that Jesus carried, man. We carry the same Holy Ghost who was on Jesus, who walked this planet 2,000 years. If Jesus needed the Holy Ghost to do the stuff he did, man, how much more do we need the Holy Ghost? Jesus was sinless. Man, imagine being his brother. Something gets broken. No questions are asked. The brother just gets a whack. Why? Well, Jesus wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Poor old James. Now, he didn't get saved till after Jesus ascended. You, you think about the pressure. <laughs> Jesus turns water into wine. The following week, they're at the Smith's wedding. Jesus retires early in the night. They're saying to James, well, we've run out of wine. What are you going to do? Poor old James is like, doesn't work. He says, I'll see myself out. That was pressure, you know. But let me, let me say this. I, I was preparing a message, this message to preach at our church just a few weeks ago. And I've been laboring on this message all week. And really where I'm up to now in the message was really all I could come up with. And so, as you can tell, uh, it wasn't going well. So, so I, I'm, I'm saying to my wife, sweetheart, I, I don't know, her name's Donna. And Pastor Donna wanted me to clarify that I wasn't talking to her. Uh, when, last night I kept saying I was saying to Donna. She was at the top of the stairs checking on our kids. Uh, she just wanted you to know that it wasn't in fact her, it was my wife. Uh, and uh, anyway, moving right along, it's getting creepy in here. So, so then uh, my wife's at the top of the stairs. Now, Pastor Joseph uh, informed me that my, my mathematics were incorrect last night. So I want to try and get it right. 
Uh, thank you, Pastor Joseph. I appreciate the, the judgment that you threw at me after I poured my heart out. So, I, someone told him that I'd got the calculations wrong, but I'm going to get it right today. I said to my wife, she was at the top of the stairs checking on our kids, and I literally shut my Bible and said, Donnie, I can't, I can't get this message together. It's just not happening, which is never good on a Saturday night. And, and It's never good. We all know what happens Thank goodness for Pastor Dave Patterson's podcast. Uh, I just listened to that little chestnut, write a few things down and say, friends, how's it going? You say, you know, Pastor Dave got this revelation direct from God this week. But it's just different, different Pastor Dave, but they don't need it. We don't get buried in the details at Life Point Church. So, so I said to her, I said, what are we, I don't really know what to do. And then I realized she's at the top of the stairs and it dawns on me that he fell out the third story window. So I got my wife to, I said, Donna, you, you just stop, I'm going to time you coming down the stairs. I said, come, you know, like you're in a bit of a hurry, but, you know, it's dark and whatever. So she comes down, it was about eight seconds. So I figured that from the third story, which is only two flights of stairs, not three as I falsely preached last night, two flights of stairs, I figured given the darkness, given the distance from the moment where, where Paul was standing, given there's 200 people and he had to clear through them and get, to, get in a bit of a rush and then get to the lifeless body of Eutychus, I thought it might take, say, let's say 30 seconds uh, to get from where he was preaching to where the tragedy was literally lying right there. And, and, uh, and so Paul had 30 seconds to figure out what is he going to do now that something has died right in front of him. And I guess I want to have a look for just a few minutes. What do we do? What do we need to believe? What do we need to say to God? What do we need to hold on to God with when things die right in front of us? See, in a room like this, there's people here who right now you're on a mountaintop, God's blessing you, everything's going great, but there are people in here whose hopes have died, whose dreams have died, who, who maybe you're coming in here and just literally standing on your feet while worship's happening is taking all the strength that you have because you've been smacked by life, you've been smacked by the things of this world, maybe the enemies come against you, I don't know what the situation is, but at all time, at some point in everyone's life, something dies, something, something happens, and, and we've got to look, how do we, how do we react, how do we, how do we respond? when things don't go our way? What do we do when, when our hopes die, when our, when our dream dies? Maybe there's seeds of what God's put in your spirit and, and, and desires God's put in your heart and you, and you feel like they've died. You feel like they've flatlined. Your, your hopes have flatlined. What, what do you do? Now, I can't get inside Paul's head, but we know enough of what Paul's written to get an idea of how he thought. And, and so I want to give you four thoughts this morning for the two of you taking notes because I believe it's going to help you too. Now, Today, I want to give you four thoughts. What do you do when something dies right in front of your life? What do you do when things die? What do you believe when things die? What do we believe? What do we hold on to? Looking at the life of Paul, I want to give you, I want to give you four things. Number one, we've got, to, we've got to believe the right report. We've got to believe the right report. Because if you have a look at this passage that we're reading from, the Bible says that, that Eutychus was dead, taken up dead. Now, it's important that you know who wrote the book of Acts. The book of Acts really is the sequel to the book of Luke. Uh, and it was a good sequel. Like Back to the Future too. it kept up. It was awesome. <laughs> Luke writes the book of Acts under the inspiration, the breath of the Holy Spirit. And he, he himself writes in this passage that Eutychus was dead. Now, how many know that Luke's job wasn't, he wasn't the local church evangelist. He wasn't a pastor, he was trained as a medical doctor. Luke was a doctor. 
And so Luke, if he says the guy's dead, Luke's allowed to make that call. Luke, Luke, Luke is an authority on that subject. So he wasn't figuratively dead. If Dr. Luke says the guy's dead, there's no life in him. He is dead. And so Paul is, is given the report that Eutychus has died. He's fallen out the third story window. He has died. And I love the fact that Paul, knowing the facts, when he confronted the body of Eutychus, the Bible says he fell on him. Now you might say, well, that could have hurt him. I think the damage was done. We can safely say. So, so he says... He says the truth in view of the facts. The fact was Eutychus was dead. But the truth is, as according to Paul, he says, hang on a minute. Don't freak out. His life is in him. It didn't render the facts false. But truth under the anointing of God can trump the facts. You might be here this morning and you're sick in your body and the doctors have said no hope. The truth is that he's a miracle working God. The truth is he is the Lord who healeth thee. And the truth, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. The, the truth always trumps the facts. You might be so broke. You might be so broke that you have to go to KFC to lick other people's fingers. You know, you might be... Growing up at school, my family was so poor. We used to go shopping for our clothes at the army disposals. I was the only kid in grade four dressed in a Japanese admiral's uniform. (laughs) That's stupid. I'm sorry about that. You might be so broke. You don't know how you're going to get through it. That might be the facts, but the truth is, our God is called El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. You know, the word El Shaddai means the God who is exceeding abundant and above. He's got, he can furnish and supply everything. He's not El Cheapo, the God of nearly enough. I know that guy. He's El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. We've got we've to believe the right report. We've got to hold on to God and trust the Holy Spirit. Number two, we've got to remember past miracles. Paul must have remembered past miracles. He looked at his watch when this incident happened. It was like a little rock with a stick. He held it to the moon. Yeah, it's about midnight. As he's walking down the stairs, I, I just wonder on that 30-second journey if maybe it went through his mind. Well, it's midnight. I could freak out. But it, it was midnight four chapters earlier in the book of Acts. The Bible says that Paul and Silas were chained between other prisoners in a jail for casting a demon out of a little girl And she got delivered and they locked him up and wanted to kill him because some guy lost his ability to make money. The Bible says it was at midnight they were singing hymns and praising God. Now, I I don't want to just preach a cheesy line, but I know that Paul would have remembered, hey, he can do miracles at midnight. And Paul knows, I need a midnight miracle. I've had one before. Let's get another one right now. You might be facing a midnight hour right now. You might be at the apex of your challenge and at your storm. We serve a God who does midnight miracles. We serve a God who's able. We serve a God who turns things around in a moment of time. He's a a God who's supernatural. In this meeting this morning, we're going to pray for people who need a midnight miracle. We're going to believe God for, for a supernatural Holy Ghost turnaround by the grace of God in the name of Jesus. A midnight, a midnight miracle. God, you got to remember some miracles. I was preaching uh, in Florida a few, uh, this time last year. And as I'm preaching, so it was a big conference, there's maybe 12 or 1300 young people and, and I called a girl out from the back 
And I said, I'd love to pray for you. Just come. I just felt led by the Holy Spirit. So this girl comes down. And as she comes down, I realized she had an eye patch on her eye. And so she's walking down. And I thought, man, I don't know what's going on there. She's got an eye patch. And suddenly I got pumped because I thought, I'd never prayed for a pirate in church before in my whole life. And so she comes forward. I said, lift your arms to Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and so... I said to her, I said, what's your favorite song? She said, don't cry for me, Argentina. So no, that's you. Anyway, that's dumb. I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor Dave. I Googled pirate jokes on the front row during worship this morning. And that was, that was, that was the second best one I could find. I can't remember the first. That's right. She called her mum on her iPhone. Anyway, that's you. So, Lord help us. So, so she's at the front with, with, her, with, her, with her eye patch. And uh, I said, what are we believing God for? Healing of scurvy this morning? I don't know. And so, no, I've got, I've got to move on. I'm not going to keep... So I said to her, what, what do you need God to do? She said, I've got cancer in my tear duct. And it's putting pressure, 14 years of age, putting pressure on my eyeball and, uh, and I can't see. It's making me, making me blind. So, so the, here's the thing. Uh, as, a, as a preacher, I love to always uh, pray for people that have a need, but I believe in an atmosphere of faith. There's, there's just something. That's why coming to church is so important. You don't even realize what, what a corporate anointing does. Where we all come together, there's something that can only be done in church. It won't be done at home just watching church on TV. There's something about coming together in the presence of God. It's a supernatural thing. Uh, I don't want to get on a, on a tangent, but sometimes we, we go, you know, uh, what about miracles and all that? I think sometimes you can even come and there can be just some little problem in your body that has, has started that you don't even know of yet. And just by being in the presence of God, it just goes. And we, we, we are totally unaware of what God can and is doing in a service sometimes in the unseen dimension. Coming to church is so important. So this girl's here at the front. We, we pray for her and, and everyone's crying out to God. You can see a little friend's 10 years old, 15 years old, crying out to God. But faith began to rise in the house. And we prayed for the power of God touched her. She was uh, under the power of the Holy Spirit. And she gets back up. And, and the meeting had gone a long time. I, I was already done. And she, sa- she says to some of the people there, I can see, I can see. And so they're all getting pumped and wanting to testify. So don't testify until we know what God's done. And Because uh, you've got to be careful just announcing stuff that you haven't fully searched out. And so she goes for tests. That was July. In October, I get a message from one of the pastors at, at, at the Brownsville Assembly of God Church in, in Pensacola. And she, she writes me, she says, David, I just want to let you know uh, that this young lady, she mentioned her name, 14 years of age, from an unsafe family, went to the doctor. Uh, the doctors, have, specialists have, have done MRIs. They've scanned her from head to toe and they've told her, and this was their words, not my words. This was their words. She is cancer free. And I... I want to tell you, I, I hear stories like that and, and think, man, God, if you can do it in Brownsville, you can do it in Vacaville. If, if you can do it in Vacaville, you can do it in Australia. If you can do it in Australia, you can do it in India. You can do it in the islands of the sea. You can do it in Europe. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm, a, I'm a bit old school. I, I still believe that God heals. I, I still believe that God transforms. I, I still be, believe God can deliver people from the shackles of darkness and, and set people free and put their feet on solid ground because greater is he that's in us. Come on, somebody, give God a praise if you believe it this morning at the nine o'clock. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Bless Jesus. Man, I'm getting happy this morning. It's a good day to be alive in the house of God. Number, number three. Are you ready for number three? Number three. He knew, he knew that there is life after a fall. And we need to remember that. When something dies, we need to remember that there is life after a fall. There's life when something dies. 
The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the righteous man falls seven times. And what does it say? But he gets back up. You might be here today and you've fallen. I, I can tell you right now, you, you, you might be sitting next to that person next to you and they look fantastic. Everything's sorted out. They look so spiritual. Uh, let me tell you, don't, don't be fooled. You're not in a church full of perfect people. You're in a church full of people who they've fallen seven times, but they've just by the grace of God got up one more time more than they've fallen. And I want to tell you, you might have fallen down. You might feel like you're, you're stooped in the ground. And I know of a woman in the Bible who was on the ground for being caught in the act of adultery. While she's on the ground, Jesus didn't come and kick her while she was down. The Bible says he stooped down. He says, sweetheart, where are your accusers? And, uh, and, he, and she didn't have any. And the Bible says this. He said to her, go and sin no more. What's he saying? Just get up, keep going. Get back on your horse, keep going. Keep doing what God's called you. You might be fallen and you don't know how to get back up. I've come today to tell you that we serve a God who when you're down, he'll pick you up and place your feet on solid rock. Do I have any people in the house that have fallen and you've gotten back up where where you feel like you've messed up but God got you through because He's good and His mercy endures forever. You're in a house full of people who have been knocked down but they get up again. You're never going to keep us down. We get knocked down. There you go. Just trying to be culturally relevant and connect to the brethren. Man, that'll, that'll, that, see, that's good for me. I'll read that. It's good for me. <laughs> Name Eutychus, recipient of God's grace. My mum is awesome. She and my dad were evangelists and traveled the world and held revival meetings all over Australia in the 1980s. They would have been the best known evangelists in the country. Probably today, my dad still is very much having an impact, has led over a million people to Christ in mass crusades all over the world. And, but my mum and dad, they were married, and back in those days, you know, ministry, I guess you justified everything in ministry, and you had to do this and that, and whatever you had to do, if it was ministry, it came first, and family would suffer. And as a result, my parents suffered a marriage breakdown, which I know statistically is common everywhere. And so I was a seven-year-old boy, and I watched my parents' uh, my parents' marriage fall apart, and and my dad continued uh, preaching and, and, uh, and did his best to reconcile, but it just seemed like there was no hope. And, 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 uh, and I don't want to at all dishonor my parents. I love them both. I honor them. They're both incredibly good people. They're incredibly kind to one another. And, and it is a miracle what God can still do even in a mess. But, but, uh, but, but I want to say this. My mum... Uh, she stopped going to church for 20 years, and I'd go to youth meetings, conferences as a kid. I'd be at the altar crying out to God, God, save my mum. Let my mum come back to you. Let her, let her get born again, again, and on fire for God. One Sunday night in church, I look over, there's my mum in service lifting her hands to God. I, I mean, you, you could have knocked me over with a feather. But here's the, here's the kicker. She said to me, she goes, you know what, I'm going to get back into church. And She said, but I feel like I've forfeited my right to do anything for the Lord in ministry, but I feel like he loves me, I feel like I can come back to church, and I'll just help you and Donna with the kids on a Sunday. My, my serving in church will be, I'll support the senior pastors. So at the beginning of the year, just this year, we had a prophet come through, and, and he preached in our church, and he just pointed to my mum, would not have known who she was, and he said, ma'am, you, you in the back, she was wearing white, she says, you wearing the white, and he, I, I knew he was talking to my mum, I just knew, I looked around, and there, he's pointing to my mum, 
And, and, uh, and I thought, man, this is going to be awesome. So he starts, oh, like, can I tell you, when a prophet prophesies the word of God under the anointing, it's pretty awesome. And he says to her, he says, ma'am, uh, you, you, you feel, and he said, I don't understand why I'm giving you this word, but you feel like you have forfeited your right to do ministry. And she said, he said, I know this might sound strange, but you've said you're happy to support the senior pastors personally and help them, but you feel like you've got nothing to contribute because you've forfeited your right. He starts prophesying over her and he says, he says, sister, this is the word of the Lord. And he said it three times, whiter than snow, whiter than snow, whiter than snow. So, so yeah, isn't that awesome? We're all... So my mum... Decides, okay, well, I better respond to the word of God. I've got to get involved and get serving. My mum is now running a home group in our church. And it's full of ladies who have walked through the same storm she has. I mean, I'm, I'm, I get personal updates of that home group. It's the only home group I really know too much about. But I get an hourly update on how it's going from my mum. But can I tell you, every time I rejoice, because I know what the devil tried to do. But we get knocked down and we get up again. You might have sons and daughters away from God. Keep believing. Keep believing that God will turn things around. Let me tell you, prayer works. Prayer still works. It still has power. Number four. What did Paul remember? What do we need to remember when hope is lost? We need to remember the resurrection power of God. Paul preached it. He declared it. Romans 8, 11. We all know the scripture, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Matthew 10, Jesus is speaking. He says this, he says, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. There's resurrections all through the Bible. Elisha, Elijah, they saw resurrections. Elijah raised the the widow of Zarephath's daughter. Uh, Sorry, the, the widow of Zarephath's son. Raise him from the dead. Raise the son of the Shunammite woman. One time Elisha had died and he was in his grave. He was, I mean, he was, he was just bones. He was, like, so he'd been there quite some time. And there was a funeral happening at the same graveyard where Elisha's bones were. And the Bible says they were having this funeral and then the Midianites who oppressed the, the people of Israel, they would pillage and destroy them. The Midianites were there to start a war and... So during the funeral, they're thinking, okay, we've got Bruce here. What do we do with him? Is we need to put him somewhere. Uh, we're in a bit of a rush here come the Midianites. Let's put him in Elisha's tomb. He won't mind. He's not there. He's in heaven. Uh, well, Abraham's bosom, if you want to get technical. And so he puts him there in the, in the tomb. And, and so I don't know how they did it. I don't know if Bruce rolled down a little bit. And, but as he gets there, the Bible says the minute that lifeless body touched the bones of Elisha, It was still enough of the power of God in the bones of Elisha to raise this guy from the dead. Isn't that incredible? The guy had been dead for ages and he still carried enough of the power, the resurrection power of Almighty God, the supernatural of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God was on him. And the minute death came in contact with life, something had to bow its knee and it's never death. When death comes in contact with Jesus, there was a procession, a funeral procession, and Jesus was with his disciples coming out of a city called Nain. In, in, in the New Testament. And the Bible says there was a procession 
a funeral procession of a widow and, 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 uh, and her son who had died. And it was like a pitiful uh, display. There was really no one around. It was just them. And then there was Jesus and his, and his entourage and they're going together. And so there were two processions. There was a procession of death and a procession of life. And let me tell you today, church, when death comes in contact with life, something has to give and it won't be life. When your dead circumstances come in contact with the life of the Holy Spirit, something has to give and it's not going to be, and it's not going to be the life of the Holy Spirit. And today, maybe you're in this place. I know I'm yelling a lot, but I'm just kind of pumped, you know. Sometimes I'm just Pentecostal, you know, I just yell. You say, why? I don't know. Sounds better. You can't get up here and go, death has to give way to life. Death has to give way to life. Flip. Hashtag. Awesome. Now, I want to wrap this up because I'm done and they started playing, which is generally a suggestion that time's up. It's not directly stated, but it is implied. So, no, I'm finished anyway. Uh, Maybe, maybe you're here today. Let's all stand for a minute. Uh, Maybe you're here today. I'm going to pray for two groups of people. And maybe you're, you're in one of the other campuses in East Bay or in Napa. And uh, I'm believing God for you there. Uh, if you want to respond to this, I'm believing that God's going to do something in your heart and in your life uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And those that are gathered here, right here in Vacaville, I, I want to pray for those who feel like uh, you'll, you've lost hope. And maybe your dreams have died. Uh, and specifically, maybe you're here today and you need a healing in your body, you need a miracle. I don't know what your problem is. And all of our problems are different. Every single person has a different challenge going on to the person next to you. And, but here's the deal. While our problems are so massively diverse, the answer is always the same. And the answer is Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? And so just in the closing, the closing minute of this service, if you'd say, David... Uh, my dreams, my hopes, my desires, my physical body, it's flatlined. I need a breakthrough from God. Uh, all over this house, if that's you, lift your hands to heaven. We're going to pray a prayer of faith. We're going to believe God in the name of Jesus. And if you, if maybe, maybe you're in a place of faith right now. If you want to pray in the Holy Ghost while we pray, let's believe God for something to happen right now in the name of Jesus. Uh, this lady right here with your hand up. I'm, I'm believing God with you that God's going to turn around circumstances. I don't even know what the circumstance is. I don't know you, ma'am. But what I do know is God, by His grace, is going to, is a, He's going to flick the switch even right now in your circumstance. We're going to believe for a great report that even the next, just in the very next close set of time, that God is going to turn, turn things around and give back what the enemy's taken. And we're going to believe God by the grace of God for a supernatural breakthrough from God in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's raise our hands to heaven in this place. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, you know those that have a need. Uh, this morning. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the power of heaven to come and bring hope into that which is impossible. And Lord God, I pray in this house right now in Vacaville, Lord, in East Bay, God, in Napa Valley, God, I pray right now that you would turn things around. Let miracles happen. Lord, we speak to cancer and we curse it at its root in the name of Jesus. We speak to sickness and disease. We speak to the powers of darkness that come against the children of God. And Father, right now in this house, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let favour come. Let provision come. Let blessing come. Let hope begin to rise again. Lord God, we thank you that we're going to hear stories of miracles after miracles after miracle in the name of Jesus. For you are good. Your mercy endures forever. And we love you in Jesus' name. Church, let's give God an almighty shout of praise in this place for his goodness and his grace in Jesus' name.